Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. We are going to teach a bit, all right? So before we do our sitting down thing, we'll take a declaration of understanding to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God, and then we'll go back to praying. If you believe the Lord has heard us so far, give me an amen. Amen. All right, because he has given us understanding, we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I will declare as follows. One, two, let's go. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In our spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. I feel like teaching mostly today. Can we take a small break? We just want to pray about something for one minute, two minutes. There's a bit of um, a sudden, you know, there's a lot of insecurity around, right? But there's a kind of surge that I've noticed around in Enugu, which had, uh, makes me very uncomfortable. I'm un- unhappy, more like, all right? I heard about students going to back to school on that Enugu Osuka Road, uh, Four Corner, the other day. They're even going from street to street, you know. They're armed, and then they're robbing people's vehicles, mostly, actually. They're parked on the streets. So I heard about all of that, and it just troubled me. And if you understand that um, we are God's people on the earth. He said, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So we, I want us to just, for a moment, can we just bow our heads? I just want us to pray about that, just for a minute. Father God, this, we're praying in Enugu. We're praying from Enugu, and we're praying about Enugu specifically. We pray all the time about the nation and all of that, but Lord, this evening we are praying specifically about Enugu. You heard what we said. Everybody, please listen to me. Don't talk. Listen to me, please. All right? Just listen to me. We are praying together. Okay? Father God, you heard a discussion. You know what's been going on? We are speaking specifically about this surge in insecurity that Enugu has experienced. Kidnapping here and there, especially two of them we heard of around four corner, between that four corner and Udi Road, and then Enugu Tonsuka Road, and many others here and there. Lord, we ask that you uproot every such evil doer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our request as your people in this city and in this state, we ask of you that none of them, not one, Lord, not a single one, we prosper from these evil activities in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, please, we ask specifically, not one of them, not one, we prosper from these activities in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we know you hate those who do such evil, who lay wait for the innocent on the roads. Father, according to your word, let them fall into their own traps in the name of Jesus. Amen. As they are lying down in wait for the innocent, let them fall into the trap of the police. Amen. Let them fall into the trap of vigilantes. Amen. Let them fall into the trap of the angels of God who have come to arrest them. Amen. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You said they have drawn their bow against the, you know, the innocent. That their arrows will enter into their own heart. Amen. Father, let it be their portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the kidnapper be the kidnapped. Amen. Let him fall into the pit that he dug. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And not let the oppressed go free. Amen. Let the kidnapped go free. Amen. Let the innocent traveler go free. Amen. Let the young student going back to school go free. Amen. Father, we ask. Because he said you are the one that makes the, go, the blacksmith that fashions a weapon. Therefore, you said, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. Now, which means that you can make a weapon prosper and you can prevent it from prospering. Therefore, we say, let all their weapons fail in Jesus' name. If they aim at the innocent, let it jam. If they aim at the police, let their weapons not work. If they aim at any law enforcement officer, let their weapons not work in the name of Jesus. Lord, we particularly as your people are angry about one thing. Sometimes we hear that the people posted, sent, armed, uniformed, commissioned by the government to protect the innocent now get involved in kidnapping and robbing. Lord, we raise our voices specifically, that is especially we amplify our request against such people. Lord, disgrace them. Lord, expose them. Lord, remove their uniform. Disarm them. With you, nothing shall be impossible. We're not trusting in the Nigeria Army. We're not trusting in Nigeria Police, or in DSS, or in Vigilantes, or even the smartness of the citizens. We are asking you for your mercy. We are asking you for your protection. We are asking, Lord, that you will put your shield upon this, our city, and upon this, our state, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we particularly ask at this time that no such evil doer will be comfortable in this, our environment. Let it it spread around them that things go wrong anytime we enter that that state. Let them know, say, ah, where is this other troublemaker? Say, he has gone to Enugu, ah. The other criminal will say, he won't come back. We have found out from experience that there is a force in there. It's as if God says, touch not my anointed. He has released that word upon that city, upon that state. Lord, we are your people in this state. This is our request. According to our knowledge of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your righteousness, and of your power. We say, do this for us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are called Jehovah, the man of war. Guide thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty one, and ride on prosperously because of truth and because of the innocent and because of your people and let your right hand do awesome things. Your arrows are in the hearts of your enemies. Lord, we activate these words upon this land. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Okay, now, that's just an aside. 
is not part of our um, teaching for today, but an important thing. Please, just a quickly, um, a quick one. That's how you respond to things, not with grumbling and criticisms. What is the government doing? That's not the response. The response is, send us help from above, O Lord, for vain is the help of man. That's the response. You ask him to send help, and he will. His help comes in different ways. Let's just for a moment, before we get into our teaching. Please, I hope you have realized my new method. Any Jesus you hear, you go pay. Okay, Nana. You don't look like you, you want to pay. You go pay. So, if I just 10 minutes, just add 10 minutes to the closing time. But to say I will not finish my message is against the will of God. Quench not the spirit. So, when I've come with the word, that word must complete. The Lord is good. So, let me just give you some more gist. Those, I was in Lagos in um, the year. I, I got to Lagos, settled a bit l- um, late 93 after my youth service. 94, <laughs> 90, late 93, 94. 95, yes, I know 95 was about the hottest season when it comes to violent crimes in the city. 95 was bad. 95 was bad. They don't even know who was shooting who. People run away from their homes. You know, criminals, robbers will come, take their time. They robbed during the day, they robbed at night, they robbed on the highway, they robbed most terribly at, in homes. They're very, very violent. We don't know exactly what happened, but that was around the time one prominent bishop that time got shot and he got killed. And if I still remember one day, one man of God was going and he brought out his gun and fired at police because <laughs> he didn't know they were police. <laughs> yes, he released two shots at police. But I don't know, they finally said to the issue because everybody knew that he wasn't trying to, I mean, it was. Uh... So, one day, the governor then, I won't mention his name because he became a politician in his home state. One day he bought a few communication gadgets and he announced on air that the battle has begun against the criminals. Now this was military administration. He was a military administrator. So you know what happened? After he said that on air, because he bought some communication gadgets, and he now said, ha, the battle has begun. Next day, in about three or four major junctions in Lagos, those men came out and killed military officers. You just see, this man is a military man. They blocked the car, shoot the fellow. They did about three or four places in Lagos. It was hot. And everybody knew what was happening. He said, you told them the day before that battle don't start. So yeah, come and fight now. Now, before I continue the gist, we'll go to church those days. I remember, I'll go to Gunnar's Chapel. Different people were praying. I still remember the day that Bishop finally died because he was in hospital for about a week. He was shot in the head. Bishop Edipo, I didn't go for that service, but I was told. He made it a communion service. He was angry. You can imagine. He was vexed. And he would come to church and he began to declare. He wasn't the only one. In fact, the first time I met our vice president, right, our current vice president, we organized a program. He was a lecturer, in, um, a professor in, uh, of, uh, in the faculty of law. So they said, no, there's this young professor there. Let's invite him. This was long ago. And he came to preach, I remember. I was first. So when they said that, this is my, I said, no, I've known him for a long time. I've known him as a preacher. All right? This is our current VP. And I still remember the testimony he gave had to do with 
armed robbers who came to invade their neighborhood. I still remember. That was the testimony he gave. He talked about God's faithfulness. Remember that day he was wearing a white shirt, rolled it up this way, and a no tie, black trousers, and he was talking about how we needed to receive eternal life. That's our current vice president. All right. But the testimony was about how they were hearing God short stuff like that, so they gathered a few of them around the neighborhood, maybe he's in his home, or maybe some very maybe in the compound he stayed, and they began to pray. And they prayed and prayed until everyone became quiet. It was now day. They came out. All the troublemakers had gone. That was the testimony he shared with us. All right. To tell you, to let you know what kind of was going on that time. So around this time, Bishop would come to church and many other people. And he would keep on prophesying. As you remember, he said, every arm robber in this city, I prophesy, I command, beginning from now, all your oppressions will be met with devastating death in the name. Of course, all of us, we shout, who no one? <laughs> one piece now. Who shout, amen. And he kept on declaring. I am absolutely convinced God heard all those prayers. He was not the only one praying. I'm just telling you the kind of cry went out to the Lord. And then, I think it was uh, General Bacha then. Yes, I think it was the one. Yes. He removed our military administrator and brought Konem Buba Marwa. <laughs> Many of you know him. And Konem Buba Marwa arrived. He didn't make so much noise. He didn't declare, uh, 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 what do you call it? The battle has begun. Just gathered his men, said he's starting what they call Operation Sweep. Nobody took, I mean, we're used to plenty talk. Do you know, within a month or two, Lagos was so quiet, we couldn't believe it. He called Operation Sweep. And he swept everybody that was a criminal out of the city. All those prophecies, God manifested as one man being appointed. He armed his, in fact, first started, they used to wear Mufti, the special tax force he had, yes. Made up of soldiers and um, police and all of that. They used to wear Mufti. But there were some issues about misbehaviors among some of them. So he commanded everybody should wear uniform. They were everywhere. It's, they used to appear like spirits. And they, every day they would tell us in the news, call this number if there's a problem. Call those numbers, don't worry. They are coming. They are not joking. They would call the numbers, and the guys would show up. They used to do funny things. They enter a street. These guys are robbing in the streets. They won't enter. They would just wait at the door. Should we go rob, finish? <laughs> no need to shoot innocent people. Just as you are coming out, they pick you one by one. I won't tell you what happened to the people that they pick, you know. Sometimes they go, they go and answer to the Lord, you know. Maybe not to the military, I don't know. Or to the police. And this kept on going on for days. Now, I, I worked in a the department then in the hospital where I could tell you the number of people that got killed in that neighborhood because they brought all the bodies. And we had to you know, do documentation, examine, document injuries and all of that. It went up by, I'm not exaggerating, like 95% within a month. It became a rarity. It became, a, I, mean, I was there, I'm not telling you somebody, I, it became a rarity. The stuff was so effective. All over the, in fact, those who survived ran to the neighboring Ogun state. So they started Operation Bale. Bale is Yoruba war for sweep. <laughs> Everybody started Operation, this Operation, that, because it was so effective. One of, one of our brothers, he parked by the roadside. He, had, you know, he, he gave his friend a lift. So the guy was now, was going to come down. So he parked two young men. <laughs> they were not sharing scripture. They were praying. You know that time I was saying? But I opened their eyes. They have been surrounded by a police, armed. They had to come out with their hands. What are you doing here at night inside Motoka? They had to explain. I beg, you see, it's Bible. We're sharing the word. This one is supposed to come down. They said them, said them properly. There was no problem. They let them go. Within a few weeks, if you whistle at night, 
Of course, no, you might be know they hear. Before you know that, all the parties don't return again. <laughs> Before who they do party for who? Now, I just told the story to let us do that. God answers prayers. I want to answered, eh? It manifests in different ways. Now, all of us in Lagos that time, we remembered uh, Colonel Buba Marwa, later became General Marwa, right? And, but, it, but I don't, there's no good but God. I don't ascribe that to any human being. I ascribe that to the Lord. Now, I still believe, um, that I don't have any doubt about it, that there's a lot of judgment still going on. So when you pray, in the midst of judgment, you can obtain mercy. You can obtain mercy. There's flooding everywhere. My own prayer is that you wash away evil. People are suffering, no? But by the time this flood goes down, hmm? so I watch the world, the troublemakers are hiding inside the bush. Expose a lot of nonsense. In the midst of judgment, you can obtain mercy. That's what I'm making. So always remember to ask for mercy. When you hear of things, pray. The Lord, do you know he answers prayers? That's why I gave that testimony. I've been in the middle of it, and I saw how the people of God gathered and prayed. There are many things that they've told us will happen in this nation. The problem is, you know, Satan, let me tell you something about Satan. Now, I'm preaching already now, okay? At least from this story now, preaching. Let me tell you about something about Satan. You're still going to pay for all of this, because I will let you know when my message starts. All of these are extra. Do you follow? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something about Satan. He is not as powerful as people think he is. We were discussing here a few days ago. I've seen ministers say that they stayed up all night because the devil is pursuing them. And I'm wondering, like, the devil can keep you awake? Why? Can I just tell you what I understand from scripture? You don't stay up at night to pray because of the devil. Like, like. I've never seen it anywhere. Give me one reference. I've heard they say that you cannot be sleeping because the devil is not sleeping. I always say, are we running the same battle? I mean, are we running the same race? Why can't I sleep? Because you're not asleep. I'm convinced that the devil knows how to keep many Christians awake. And he wants to ruin your life. You know, as I was driving down today, there's a message I've listened to nothing less than 20 times before. Maybe probably 50 times, I don't know. But it's by Derek Prince. I was listening to it again, and he said something. That one, there was a time the Lord visited him. He went to worship somewhere, I think it was in, is it Denmark? There was a place where he was, where he went to pray, all right, on a hill. And the Lord visited him, actually. The Lord spoke to him. And one of the things he said, the Lord said, and of course, there are many things he said, was that for the next phase of work I have for you to do, you have to be fit physically. But right now, you are just gaining weight anyhow. Yes. So the Lord told him, you have to do something about it. He said, later on, he now began to minister, sometimes five hours at a go. He said, looking back, and I said, could he have you know, handled that if he did not take care of his physical shape, that's form, you know? He had to be fit. Now, why am I saying so? Satan, I'm convinced, knowing this, he makes some of us very useless, but make sure we don't sleep. Whether you're anointed or not, if you don't sleep at night, you'll be drowsed during the day. Just happened to me before. There was, I don't know which church I went to recently. I sat down to keep awake. I was praying that they would call me up on time. I sat on my chair. Guest minister. I traveled to go there. Can't remember where for sure. Do you know I was dozing on the chair? I was struggling to keep awake. Ah, see the struggle. I know they put me in front. I was so glad when they finally called me up. When I'm standing, at least I will come fall asleep. I'm not going to say something here. 
I don't think the devil has the right to keep you awake. Make some of us ineffective by making sure we don't sleep. Where he gives us prayer points about himself at night. And we are bragging on it. That's where I'm going. You shouldn't. It's not a good thing. If the devil is warning you, please, go and sleep. Tell him that you are not big enough to keep me awake. It's an important thing. I'm not joking. He can't do anything when you are sleeping. Don't think that because you are sleeping now. You understand? He will now come and oppress you. Only one thing can oppress you when you are sleeping. Your sin. Your iniquity. I've heard funny things. Witches are pressing me when I'm sleeping. Like, a witch can climb you. Ha! Huh. How? I don't know what you're getting at. But like, how? How did it happen? Which witchcraft coven did you go to eat from? Because it's food. That gave them that ability to press you. People come and be testifying. And I now shouted the name of the daddy of our commission. And then they ran away. Now I'm looking at you and say, are you not even ashamed of yourself? I always say, which, look, let me just tell you something. So in case you know any witch, I was looking for who to press. All right? That I said, if they come near me, hmm? the way I will flatten them, they, they, they will never expand again. That is, after, that is, and I won't know, don't think I will be there, that I, like God forbid that I should wake up to be praying about you. I will just sleep, continue sleeping, that you come to press. Then something in me, my spirit will catch you, drop you, they make me roll over. <laughs> and as I roll like that, before I'll be lying on the side, I'll now roll on my back. Bam, you're under me. You will suffocate. By the time I get up in the morning, it's your f- you'll be like a piece of paper, going back to the pool. Chief priestess and chief priest will not be able to expand you again. They will hang you as decoration on the wall. That here is the witch or wizard that went to press that child of God. That the law, I'm not joking. The Lord said we should hang him here to teach everybody else a lesson. Nonsense. Now he used to tell them, I'm not joking. Those days they touch somebody and something disappears. I'm begging that somebody will touch me because I'm looking for whose brain I will make disappear. But once you touch me, in the name of Jesus, your brain will vanish. Brain, I don't want any other part of you. Just that brain. You go back to the coven, you can't think again. After a while, you go to hospital, they diagnose that you have dementia. Please, don't, I just want to emphasize that. People say they go to party at night, demons are pursuing they are now pursuing the demons back. You think you won the battle. You did not win the battle. They won. Their strategy was to make sure you don't sleep. You think they came to kill? They, read your Bible. Even when God gave Satan right to go to Joseph's house, what did he tell him? You can't kill him. They don't just kill anybody they like. A witch won't kill you because you are asleep. You can only be killed because the Lord said, kill him. If the Lord did not authorize your death, nobody can kill you. I hear it's like, uh, don't sleep, oh, because the witches are coming. Is the reason, is that is the night I will drink, I will eat heavy, so I can doze off. Because if you keep me awake now, I'll be thinking of um, the color of the type of witch that's called. But if I'm asleep, I can't think such nonsense thoughts. Should you ever stay awake for any reason? Yes. Go and check it. Jesus woke up a great while before dawn to pray. Next day, he chose his disciples, the apostles. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> you want to go and propose marriage to somebody tomorrow? Wake up a great while before dawn and pray for the will of God. And pray that, Lord, if it's not your will, may my mouth not open. Let her travel. Let me get there and meet her dog. Let bingo bite my leg. <laughs> Praise 
such prayers. That's the kind of thing you should wake up at night and pray, Lord, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by your will for my life. Who is it that will marry? The one who together we can run and do your will. Love, by my own eyes, everything looks okay. By my own judgment, just like Peter and Co., they knew who looked okay to replace Judas. Like Peter said, only you, Lord, know the heart of man. Lord, if her heart is not right. Because there are some good people in church praying and they inquire. Jezebel. It's called sheep. Sorry, it's wolf. In what? Sheep's clothing. Say, Lord, may I not marry? That's when you should get up, you know, a great while before done. You're about to resign your job and go to, you know, to go and start ministry somewhere. Wake up a great while before done. Do you get my point? You pray, you pray for such important things, not for small, small things like demons. You have a special issue you need to handle. Then you can wake up early and pray. But please don't wake up at night because of demons. I hope you're getting my point. It's important we understand that. There's a reason why I'm explaining that. The devil doesn't have the kind of power we think he has. Please never forget it. The only thing he can do, listen, people of God, is to tempt, is to deceive. Those are the things he can do actively against you. The other ones that is like handling you, coming to you directly, is tempt and deceive. Sometimes he distracts. It's part of, it's a manifestation of temptation and deception. It can distract you. Just like I said, some people are chasing demons. It's a distraction. It's a strategy of the enemy against them and it's working. And it's working. All he can do is deceive and tempt. Tempt is the most important thing. Tempt you to sin. Tempt you to do what is wrong. I hope you're getting my point. That's all he can do. And then when he has, that's the only place where he has power over believers. Please, let's get it clear. So if we want to resist him in our environment, resist those two things. Number one, resist temptation of any, any sort. Don't give up. No, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. Many people exercise themselves in excusing iniquity. Do you get my point? They have all kinds of stories to tell God. Because they use the same energy now to do what is right. Instead of trying to explain to me, this is Nigeria, this is Nigeria. Use that energy to say, how do I overcome even though I am in this country where such temptations are so much in abundance? I hope you're getting my point. That really is the way we disarm the devil. That's how we disarm him. That's how we disarm him. What he tries to do. The second thing, you know, I said temptation. All right? The other one is um, deception. Love the truth. What did I say? Love the truth. Now, I'm not just saying study. If, you, if your heart is not right, read from now to tomorrow, you will understand nothing. When I see some arguments I have with people, I'm wondering, like, if, well, that's how come I know. I got to know. After many years of talking and teaching scriptures and talking with people, I realized that intellectual analysis does not produce sound doctrine. It doesn't. The ability to read and decode things is not what produces sound doctrine. It's the right heart. It's the right heart. When I see the way some of my brethren twist some of these scriptures to make it say what they want it to say, you know before they came to that scripture, they've made up their mind what it must say. And only God can change that heart. So you must ask God, please, number one, tell him, I love truth. Make me love truth. What did I say? 
Say the way I said it. Yes. You know why I said it? I believe. Help my own belief. That's what I wrote. I love truth. That's fundamental. But Lord, make me love it more. And then you now tell him, because it's important. Once you love truth, I don't want to be right. Like somebody, Albert Einstein was quoted to have said. He was a theoretical physicist. He said, I don't want to be right. I just want to know if I am right. Many people just want, once they preach one thing, it must be correct. No. Have a heart that really wants to know. And pray to God to teach you. When I see the way people believe this funny gospel, it comes in different names. So let me not put a particular name to it now. Okay, no, I will, I will use the hyper-grace one. The hyper-grace gospel that says that a Christian, no matter what you do, can never be condemned again, ever. If you ever answered an altar call, even one man said, even if you live like an unbeliever and even deny Jesus Christ, that that's how powerful the grace of God is. It's obviously not founded on scripture, not this New Testament we have. Of course, let's not even go near what you call the law and the prophets. <laughs> not, definitely not this New Testament. There are enough scriptures. When you show it to them, the way they wangle around it, I found out that generally what happens is that people are in bondage to sin. So they are afraid. So the only way they can feel confident is to be believing a lie. And it's not necessary. The energy you are using to... <laughs> sorry. Sorry I'm laughing. Sorry I'm laughing. One of the that sent me a message. No, he, no, he... He called me. He said, sir, he mentioned one big man of God. He said, I saw this old man sweating, sweating, trying to explain what cannot be explained from scripture. He said, you see him sweating. <laughs> it's the way he said sweating. He, he was pained. Now, this old man, what you are saying is not true. It's not in scripture. Why are you sweating so much? He said, the man was sweating because, you know, like me trying to prove to you now that two plus two plus two is equal to nine. And I said, look, that plus, if you, write, if you look at it again, yes, a pastor. Is six. Just agree. You are still owing me three naira. This one you have given me is okay. I will have patience with you. Don't worry. But I want to argue that having given you two naira three times is equal, equivalent to nine naira. Listen, it's, look, it is not necessary. Use that same energy to obey that which is clear. I hope you're getting my point. Use that same energy to obey that which is clear. See, where Satan gets power from is what I'm explaining again. Just those two areas. Temptation and deception. Once you start believing that which is not true, you are giving him power into your life. Use your energy, use your prayer to fight those two things. You don't have power in yourself enough to resist temptation. You draw near to the throne of grace. So you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of temptation. That's what they call time of need. If God opens your eyes, you'll be able to understand the truth. That's why you have to attack those two things with prayer. Because that's where Satan gets power from in our lives. Please, don't forget that. All right, the Lord is good. There's something I wanted to explain, but I've said this so much. I think it's enough. If, I, if that one comes back, I will go back to it. All right? Remember, no charge for this. No, sorry. You will pay for this. It's not part of the message for today. Just wanted to drop that. I was trying to explain something, but... It has, it has skipped me now, but I'll, go, I'll, I'll get back to it later. But let's get back into this message, and you'll see. Let's see what the Spirit has for us for today. Let's open our Bibles. The book of Acts, chapter 10 again. Acts, chapter 10. The book of Acts, chapter 10. Peter was speaking in the house of Cornelius. He said, I most certainly understand now, that's verse 34, that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation... 
The man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. He said in verse 38, let me just have verse 37. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. And with power and how he went about doing good and healing how many? How many? Say it again. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Now let me stop reading here. Now, why did I read this? Just to remind us of what we said last time concerning what is oppression. I just want to remind us. What I want to, today's message is geared at establishing for us what the will of God is. That's what I want to do mostly teaching today. I want to establish for us what the will of God is concerning divine health. Sometimes people hear me preach and I say things like, sometimes God says no. Or when I say that, what I mean is, you go to him, ask him for a Mercedes Benz. He can say, no, I don't want to give that. I want to give you a small Cooper Mini. Another small car. Or he says, no, no, you don't, you don't need a car yet. Please, please, go and take a bike. Get a long list of taxi men's numbers and keke riders. And they can take you from one place to the other. He can say no. He can so say no. Now, please, people get, okay, let me not say, people get scared. He can say no to you that, listen, I want to get a better job. Say, no, the one you are doing now is a good job. That's my perfect will for you. But my friend applied in this particular company is earning 10 times what I'm earning. God said, you don't need 10 times what you are earning. If I breathe grace upon this one you are earning, it's more than 10 times what somebody, that's 10 times this that somebody else is earning. It's more than that. He can say no. You can say, I want to travel abroad. Say, I ain't going anywhere. In fact, you're going to the village. If you say it again, I'm returning to the village. This one, I left in Enugu, and you're still talking. If I hear again, you're going to Udi. And I don't mean the central one. I mean the place where we didn't work carry us to go and marry that time. Mm-hmm. That's where we are going. I don't think I'm joking. I will establish you there. I will bless you there. Hmm. What do people think God must move everybody to the city or to, uh, to America or to somewhere in Europe? No. That's what I mean. He can say no. He can say, Lord, I want to take my wife and children on a holiday. Say, holiday from what? Heaven is eternal holiday. Don't worry. Stay here and do my work. He can say that. But if he has promised something, he can't say no. Why? He has already promised it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. His words are what? Yes and amen. Confirmed. So if he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. You can claim that. Now, it does not mean you will determine for him what he calls supply. I hope you're getting my point. But if he says that you will never lack anything, you can hold on to that. I hope you're getting my point. Now, I'm going somewhere here. Because I don't want people to misunderstand. They say, okay, I prayed for healing. I didn't get it. It means God said no. Another thing I should quickly emphasize is even when the Lord says yes, many times yes is predicated on conditions. In fact, most times it's predicated on conditions. I hope you're getting my point. There are things to accomplish. For example, he says to Abraham, your wife is going to bear you a son as an example. I'll make you a great nation. 
That was, the, that was the first 20 years, nothing happened. Isaac came in the 25th year. Not because God was slow concerning his promises, but like Peter explained to us, he said, no, he's not slow. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. It's not, it's not saying do calculation. It just means that with God, whether it's one year or two years, three years, same thing as in 1,000 years or two days, doesn't make any difference. He said, God is not slow concerning his promises of slack. He said, he's waiting for men to do what? To repent. That is the fulfillment of his promises. It's dependent upon the adequate repentance, conversion in the hearts of people. So if God says to Abraham, the father of many nations that have made you, finally it's done as far as it's concerned. But why is my mind not experiencing it yet? My name is Abraham. God says, walk with, before me and be perfect. And that promise will manifest. Perfect does not mean you become flawless. Perfect means that each season of your life, there is spiritual development you must accomplish. I hope you're getting my point. For example, if I give an A, I teach students. If I give an A to a student, does it mean he knows everything? If you give a student distinction, does it mean he knows everything? In fact, I've seen students, I've been there many times. A lecturer wants to give a student the best grade, and you are doing an oral exam. So it continues until he proves to the student you don't know as much as you think. But he has been satisfied. I do that too. I will drill you and drill you until you get to a point. I ask you several questions. You start getting worried. I say, don't worry. I just want to show you that even though we give you an A, you don't know anything yet. Too. But we judge that by your level, the amount of knowledge you have is impressive. It's outstanding. But we won't let you go around because some students are like that. You become cocky, you know. You're just a vulgar for everybody. That is like, I'm telling you, <laughs> as if they are the best. So you help them. You help them. Calm their head down first. Throw in several questions, which you know they won't know. There's no chance they will know it. You take them through some discussions, they get confused. They say, don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed. You did very well. Then he leaves that place knowing that man passed man. <laughs> Do you get my point? So when the Bible says, you know, perfect, it doesn't mean that you're as good as God. It just means that according to the standard required of you today, you have done well. For example, Abraham, he believed God. And it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. He didn't do everything right. But that he held on to what the Lord said to him. He said, that's good enough. But he said, no, no, that one, we have gotten a connection into his circuit. We'll do the rest ourselves. Do you understand that? We'll do the rest ourselves. So he says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. He had to tell us, that is not righteousness in itself. But for Abraham, it was accounted that this God says, that's good enough for me. Do you get my point? That is, God says, that's good enough for me. Why? I mean, we do it when we train, you know, you know both specialists and even students. There are, are people that have been failed in exams for the simple reason. Not because they don't have knowledge. They say they have a wrong attitude. The fellow knows the Lord. They say, no, no, your attitude is bad. Now, it's not, nothing personal, though. It's more of if I let you go like this, you won't learn more. So I'm going to fail you with everything you know so that you go back and read again. One day I had one, one man, I won't give more details, but worked. He was going for an exam, final exams. 
There was something he said. Christian, I still remember that thing till tomorrow. He said something. He said, ah, Kai, I know a lot now. I won't give the exact words. That our big chief, that if, if, I, if it's a case I can't solve, when they take it to our big chief, even he sweats over it. And that's how good I have become. So he went for the big exam. And God was waiting for him there. And God failed him very well. God, God failed him well. People say God doesn't fail people. We don't know him. Somebody was preparing to repeat the exam after some time. Somebody said that. Another person, I asked him. Well, how far? How's the preparation now? So I want to prepare again. Say what? I said, last time I prepared tire, I failed. Say, I've realized that preparation does not make you pass. <laughs> In my mind, he will pass this time around. He has become what? Humble. Humble. He, he, he has become humble. And of course, he passed very well. What was God addressing? His attitude. Do you follow my point here? So sometimes when you have the right attitude, God says, it is accounted to you for what? Righteousness. Exactly what happened to Abraham. So God says to Abraham, I will do this. God, no, Abraham says, if the Lord has said it, he will do it now. That attitude, God says, that is righteousness. So it doesn't mean he's perfect, but it means he has to accomplish certain spiritual developments each season of life. I hope you're getting my point here. So when God gave a word to him like that, he would train him. I have found out, you know, personally, in fact, let me not be giving you all my own dealings, but one of the things I've learned recent times, God has just kept on showing me clearly. Clearly. One of the ones, okay, let me, there are different ones. One, is that nothing, no one, nowhere, is a source of sustenance. I, do you know, as I am right now, my little life, if I say I'm living in Uganda, I'm going to somewhere, maybe America or Canada or US, Australia to go and look for money. God will so punish me that this hunger is what to drive me back home. Hunger. What I want to emphasize is that God answers prayers. That once he has promised something, you can hold on to it. Those promises, manifestation has what? Conditions. And when he promised Abraham, Abraham had to be perfect and then he will receive it. And I explained that perfection does not mean you get it 100%. In everything. Perfection just means that you fulfill the development, the change for the moment. That when it says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. That it says God is not slow concerning his promises, Peter was telling us. But he's waiting for men to do what? To repent. So that repent, that change is what we are talking about. And that's the only thing that actually seem, that seems to hinder the manifestation of God's promise. So, even though something is not manifested, it's not proof that the Lord has said no. Do you get my point? I was going to emphasize that the fact that we say God does say no, which he does. I've given illustration of what, what I mean. But at there are times he appears like he said no. But it's not like he said no. But he's just saying that even though I have said yes, you need to work with me and develop in these areas and then this will manifest. So Abraham needed to become a kind of person before Isaac could come into his life. I hope you're getting my point. Now, we're not going to analyze that in detail. So that's what Paul meant when he said, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement of flesh and spirit. That is, because we have this promise, we go through the cleansing. Why? Because except we perfect that holiness in the fear of God, the promise will not be manifested. So even though he has said yes. That is why Christians must take discipleship seriously. 
We must take the study of the word seriously. We must every day be walking so that we will become who God created us to be. So that we will become more like Jesus Christ in every aspect of our lives. There are times you look at people <laughs> because of some understanding. So the way this individual is, even if God had one billion pounds, dollars, euro, all of it put together to give to this fellow, he can't receive it. He's there praying for prosperity. God says he doesn't even understand the meaning of prosperity yet. So sometimes it takes that individual through 10 years of training, 20 years of training. Say, I'm not going to give you this money until you learn this thing. 30 years of training. Like I told you, one of these has taught me in the last few years, well, for over many years, but it's becoming more and more clear to me in practical terms, is that he's a supplier. He's a supplier. He's a supplier. He can bring you food in the wilderness. It's not a new thing. He's done it before. He can do it again. He's doing it every day. Another thing that he's taught me in that regard is that even though I'm a supplier, I don't always use money. I don't know what I get my point. Because sometimes when we say God is supplying, we mean that he will bring money. But then, sometimes God says, I will supply, but I won't use money. So I've learned, and I'm learning, to disrespect money. Yes. Now, sometimes God needs to get us to learn some things before he releases the promise. It's transformation. We are being changed every day. We must be better today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we must be better persons than we are today. And as long as we are doing that, sometimes that simple progress is what God calls perfect. I hope you're getting my point. That is the progress. That you are making progress. God says this one is perfect. And it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. He believed. Sometimes that, the fact that you are making progress satisfies God in a particular area. Yes. I said something to us here some weeks ago. We must be urgent, earnest, and disciplined concerning our spiritual development. Don't let anything slow down your spiritual development. How do you develop spiritually? Number one, the entrance of the word is important. Two, how you react because God uses environment, people, experiences to teach you. When you meet disappointments, look, you know what James said? Beloved, do what? Count it all joy. When? When you fall into diverse trials. He said, why? The trial of your faith is working forth what? Patience. That patience is important. So, the word comes, builds faith. Then the faith must be tried. I hope you're getting my point. So, the fact that you have learned something does not mean you won't have trouble outside. But how you hold up in the midst of that trouble and hold that which you have learned. He said, without that, he said, how do you inherit promise? promises? Through two things. What? Let me hear it now. And? Say it loud like you believe it. Okay, you don't know it. Okay. The man of God is answering for you. He has answered and he's correct. Okay, so we'll repeat it. Hmm? How do you inherit promises? Through? Faith. And? Faith. Through? And, so you see, if it's faith alone, will you inherit the promise? How is patient to walk out in your life? Through trials. James said, through trials, you walk what? Patience. So for God to bring forth a promise, first he boosts faith in you through the entrance of his word. 
Then he allows you to go into trials. And James said, when you see the trials, rejoice. 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 What is trial? Trial. The summary of trial is this. Or how do you pass trials? First, what is trial? Difficulty. There's no story about it. What is trial? Difficulty. Difficulty. You go to church, they preach the word of healing. God heals. God heals. You get home, you are sick. That's what they call trial. I hope you're getting my point. You believe in prosperity. You believe in prosperity. God can bring supply anywhere you are. Then you go get a new job. First two months, they don't pay you. What is that? Trial. You can decide to start murmuring against God. Or you can do like Job. The Lord gives, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you see, that word is not true. No, that word is true. That word is true. My experience does not dictate. Do you understand? They are watching for what you will what? Say. The time comes and says, Lord... See this job you've given me. I will do it until you open another door and I will be faithful. They say, as you went on strike for eight months. <laughs> Can I just say something if you're an ASU member? Where's Jonah? Where is Jonah? Any other ASU member here? And if you're online, don't put up behind. I can't see you. Physically here. Don't be shy. Let us know. I want to give you a word from God. In case you're an ASU member, you're listening to me. You know what your, your ex they've been saying? They have been saying that, you see, they went back, you know, they went back to work without anything signed. They said they went back to work on trust. <laughs> you want to trust who? Are you trusting God or you are trusting Bajabi Amela? I don't know who you are trusting. Anyway, basically, they say they obey court order. There's one little blackmail. Ask for people listen to this. There's one little blackmail that has been added to it. That who, which lecturer will go back to school with his whole heart and teach students? That's little black man that has been handed over to government. That will go back, but if any student you think he's going to learn, you have to pay me part of my eight month salary. Now I want to talk to Christians. Trial of your faith. If you're an ASU member as a Christian, you will go back to school. You will teach like your life depends on it. The student did not hold back. Your salary. He paid his school fees. It's between you, your God, and the vice chancellor of federal government. Don't involve these young men and women. It's called what? Trial. Trial. This is how you will fail the test. You go there. Look, this class, before anybody enters my office, I want to see your tithe and offering in front of... Some lecturers are that useless. They will be collecting money from these children. If you do that, you want to know the truth? God will add to your punishment. You think they took eight months salary from you? Sixteen months salary will soon go. There are different ways where they can pay your salary, your building collapses. I hope you know that. Some people now, the flood has removed their everything. If this flood has not taught you a lesson, then you are very dense. That there's nothing worth accumulating on this earth. Flood can wash it away. Some, some people parked their car. It was a good new car yesterday night. They woke up this morning, it's a flooded car. In case you do not know, by the way, hey, must I teach you everything? Don't ever buy a car that was flooded. Electrician will be your pastor. <laughs> You'll be servicing that prophet. As you are going on the road, one light will just show up. You call your mechanic, you send an electrical force, call electrician. Call electrician, he will fix it. You pay him. As you are moving, look, Americans sell them for your information, and Europeans, they sell them the same price as they sell a car that's totally wrecked. As if it fell off a cliff onto a concrete floor. You know the price? They sell them for scrap. 
You can't drive it in their countries. No, you can't because the airbags won't work. Once the cars have been flooded up to a particular level, they know that the most, because modern cars are electronically controlled. You will press horn, your glass will go down. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. They know. So once the cars have been flooded to a particular level, there's a way it is, there's a, there's a level, they have their measure. Once it's been covered, for some cars, they sit. Some, once, they, once they check it, they scrap it. But you know the thing? There's no dent. When it dries, it may start. Our brethren like to buy it and come and sell it to you. That's an aside. Don't buy a flooded car. It's not good for you. So, you parked your car yesterday, flooded overnight. You know you don't have a car again. If you don't believe me. Anyway, God raises the dead. So, that's the only condition. <laughs> so, nothing in this life is worth, do you understand? No not worth dying for. Nothing. 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 I'm talking about trial. So God tries our faith. He does. And the trial does not produce faith. Does it produce faith? What does it produce? Patience. It tests the faith. So first you are built. The fact that you have trials, or because the fact that you have faith, does not mean trials will not come. It's the reason why trial will come. But the trial will now be effective because it's working the life of somebody who had faith. So, you believe the word of healing, you fall sick. You hold on to that word even if you died in the process. That's an attitude Christians must have. So, after a while, when that trial says that, Job, ha, Job, deny God now. The spirit of the trial says, no, I won't deny God. What happened? God healed Job. God prospered Job back and gave him twice what he had before and replaced all the children that he lost. Even gave him enough years to accomplish his purpose on the earth after that. But they first had to pass the test of faith. I hope you're getting my point. Please bear that in mind. So we read that from that book of um, Acts chapter 10. It said, God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went around doing what? Doing what? Answer now. He went around doing bad. He went around doing... And how did he manifest? Killing all who were what? Oppressed. Last time I said something, I need to say it again. Sickness is of the devil. What do I mean? It's not the will of God. God proposed that we will live in perfect health on this earth. How sickness came in is because of sin, because of disobedience. And I'm saying clearly, every single thing time, God desires, proposes, and we heal us 100%. Those of us who are believers in Christ. What is the reason? Because Jesus came to heal how many? All. Say it loud. All. All who were oppressed. What is the oppression? I explained last night, just like repeating it. It's oppression because once you have been forgiven, it has no right to stay. Is oppression because only sin gave it right to come in the first place. Is oppression because now that you have been forgiven, so what is your right? And that was the reason why Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed. So I say to you boldly, all the people he healed in Israel, all of them, went for the baptism of John. I'm not talking about those who were outside, possibly. But in Israel, they went for the baptism of John. 
That was why a man was sitting down, minding his own business, waiting for somebody to help him enter the pool of Shiloh. But Jesus came there, went through the crowd, took a chair, sat beside him. How are you doing? Do you want to be made whole? People sometimes say that, you know, faith. Wait, Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He said, eh. okay, don't misinterpret my lack of uh, effort. It's because I have no man. You know the story. Then what did Jesus say? Get up, take your bed, and walk. Now, you know, before, until God helped me to understand scripture, I used to wonder, did you go to Bible school the way we went? To say, no, no, the man. To say that there are five keys to receiving the healing. He met a man who he did not know. He did not know who he was. They asked him, who was it? He said, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? He said, the man who healed me said, I should carry it. What do you want me to do? You want me to go back and lie down? <laughs> he said, who is this? He said, I don't know. The Bible says to us clearly, he did not know who it was. So it, was not, it wasn't like he believed in Jesus. Jesus had to come back to him and say to him, do you believe he said, in the one that the Lord has sent? He said, who is it that I may believe? He said, I'm the one talking to him. He said, then I believe. So the question is, that why was he healed? You want, to give me, you want me to tell you the answer? It's simply because he went to John with the little strength he had. With the little strength he had, he went to John. He was baptized by John. His sins were forgiven. And as long as he laid down there, God said, this is oppression. So when Jesus came, by the word of the Lord, the Lord said to Jesus, go, go and heal that fellow over there. And why did he obey Jesus Christ? It's called the Spirit entered into me when he spoke unto me and set me on my feet. He was not the one that did it. Oh, it's all over scripture. Ezekiel taught us that. The Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. The Lord had to impart to him that grace called faith by the Spirit. Paul talked about it. He said, faith by the Spirit. That Spirit entered him, picked him up. Go ahead, Ezekiel, chapter 2. The first two verses. He said, he said, son of man, stand on your feet and I may speak to you. He said, when he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. That's exactly what happened to that man. Why? He didn't know who Jesus was. What else would he have done? Any charlatan could have come to tell him something. I made a mess of him. But Jesus came with a spirit that entered into him and then set him on his feet. My emphasis is oppression. He was under oppression. What converted affliction to oppression? Give me the word. Forgiveness. What converts, it's the same thing, what converts now for everybody, affliction to oppression, what is that? Forgiveness. Every time there's forgiveness, there must be healing. That is why, now please, how do we have forgiveness? We should read it. Colossians chapter 1. No, we must read that one. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. How do we have forgiveness? I think we all know it, don't we? I just feel like we should read it. Let's read it together, everybody. Verse 13. We are reading 13 and 14. If you are there, say amen. amen. If you can read, let's go together. Want to let's go? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. No, just 12, just 13 and 14. That's what we are reading. How do we have, where do we get redemption? In Christ Jesus. He said, in him we have what? Redemption. 
The forgiveness of sins. How do we get forgiveness? Because we are in Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that does what? Takes away the sins of the whole world. So every child of God has forgiveness. Now let me say something. Because sometimes it comes to people's minds. How do I know for a particular sin I have been forgiven? You know, there's general forgiveness. You've been born again, baptized in water. You give your life to Christ. You confess Jesus as your Lord. That's general forgiveness. But there's something you did between then and now. I hope you get my point. Are you sure you have been forgiven? No, I'm not asking you. I'm going to answer it. The sign that you have been forgiven. Ah, how do I explain this? Anything you have discontinued, you have been forgiven. Do you hear what I say? Any sin that you have been able to discontinue, you have been forgiven. You are not getting my point. See, let me tell you something about spiritual things. If you disobeyed once, does not mean you are disobedient. I don't know where I get my point. Disobedience is an attitude. It's a lifestyle. So that you are today concerned about one disobedience or two years ago shows that you have not been disobedient. And I'm saying to you by the Spirit of God, it's a sign that you have been forgiven. Because without that, sin, sin is a master. It binds people. Except for, except for forgiveness, you can't stop. I don't know whether you're getting my point. See, once... Look, let me tell you the kind of people that God doesn't forgive. Hmm? Go and check it. They are brazen. They can be hypocritical, but they don't tend to stop. What they do is make excuses, make excuses, make excuses. It's a sign, I'm sorry to say, they have not been forgiven. They have not received, let me put it that way, they have not received forgiveness. When you receive forgiveness, look at what John said. How do you receive forgiveness as a Christian after you've been born again? It's through what? Confession of sin. Jeremiah said, just acknowledge your iniquity. First John chapter 1, he said it this way. If we shall confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse of all unrighteousness. True forgiveness, alright, it comes as a result of confession of sin. It produces cleansing, which removes the power of that sin to bind. I don't know what I get my point. So, I stole some time ago. Have I been forgiven? Are you still stealing? No, you have not stolen since that time. And you confess your sin. It's a sign you have been forgiven. In fact, let me put it this way. It's a sign you have received forgiveness. Because some people, God offers forgiveness. They can't receive it. Why? They have not stopped the sin. How can I be forgiven when you have not even stopped? By the way, repentance is an integral part of faith. True Christians are always repenting. What does that mean? They always change. I don't mean they always repenting. They do the same thing. They repent and do it again. Do it again. You never repent. What I mean? Each each season of their lives, they learn a new thing. Then they repent. Then whatever effect that because see, every area of your life where you are less than what God made you to be in Christ, you open a door for the devil in that area. But by the power of His mercy, if you are walking in ignorance, there's this principle God has set in place that ignorance mitigates. Judgment. And that is why we are not constantly under judgment even though we are not 100% perfect. So what God does is that he opens... Maybe your life is like this magazine I have here. He has many pages. We're on the cover here. You are feeling good, feeling airy. You are enjoying fellowship with the Lord. Because it's good. Then he opens one page. Look at that page. You see one part in which you are not exactly like Jesus Christ. 
Maybe the way you handle your finances. Maybe the way you pray. Because a lot of Christians, I'm going, to, I'm going to go there, okay? I like going there because I see many people are suffering. Now, again, ignorance is not an everlasting excuse. It's a temporary excuse. When the time for knowledge comes, if you reject knowledge, it doesn't matter. You are treated like you are aware and you are deliberately disobeying. I hope you're getting my point. There's a lot of nonsense praying. Christians have been praying. I'll give an example. You want to pray now. You now go to God. Then look at all the good things I have done. You've been doing it for years. You know, God just been looking at you, forgiving you. Ignorance. He now says one angel, take him to go and listen to where my servant, Banky, is preaching. And I preach to you that it is not your good works. It is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. After that, that your prayer is not a sin. It's not a sin. Coming to God, claiming the good you have done, now becomes a sin for you. After that, you start having one trouble after another. Why? Now you are in disobedience. Now what God does that? So he opens one page of your life. He enlightens you. That's why John said, if you walk in the light, as in the, is in the light. That's the way John said it. That if we say we don't... No, I need to read it because I need to explain something to you. Because some people used to wonder that. What does John mean when he said that? Let's just go there. Okay, for time's sake. If we say that we have no sin, what did they say? Are you there yet? Verse 8. He said, if we say we have no sin, what's happening? We are deceiving ourselves. And what? The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins. Now, please, I need to back up now. He says, this is the message we have heard from in verse 5. And announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in what? The darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Can you see that? The blood is doing what? Cleansing us from all sin. He now says, but if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. He now says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Now, listen to this. He first said the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Later, somewhere he said, he that, the sin, you know, he, that, um, he that is born of God does not practice sin. The same person, if you say we don't have a sin, we are lying. We are deceiving ourselves. Now, please, time's sake, I will not start analyzing. Let me just summarize what he was saying. John was saying this. If you say you have no sin, it is because light has not yet shined upon or shone. Which is correct English? Shined or shone? Both of them are correct. Okay. Light is yet to shine. That's the trick of making yourself correct. Just pick the one that there's no controversy. It simply means light is yet to shine on that area of your life. And once you think you have no sin, it's because light is yet to shine on a particular area. Everywhere light shines on, you will discover your sin. Do you get my point? Then when you confess that sin, he forgives it. And cleanse of all unrighteousness. So that's what he does. He opens another page. We have solved your prayer life. We are now going to the issue of handling your time. You are wasteful. Always on Facebook. You take on the phone, one hour. This time I gave you for important things. Don't worry. I'm building your bit by bit. Then you come to a realization one day. How I'm using my time is wrong. Then you know what happens? You confess that sin. He puts a spirit of order into your life. And time management. And then you start rejoicing. You are walking in the light. You are walking in the light. You are walking in the light. Oh, you have no, no guilt, nothing. John said, don't think you have no sin, no. 
You are still developing. Then it opens another area. Ah! Please don't be discouraged. This is how your life will be opened until Jesus Christ come back. And then the funny thing is, as you mature as a Christian, you start opening areas on. You feel like Jesus Christ. This one's serious too. Leave this one now. You say, I'm not leaving it. You are going to be perfect the way I am perfect. One day, one of our brothers here, he's not around. He says something. He says, sir, this is your teaching. We were not doing them. Not because we were wicked. We did not know. That's a believer for you. There was something we were teaching that time. He said, this thing here, it had to do with honor of parents. He said, we were not doing them not because we were wicked. We did not know. So after he heard me teach, he confessed. Can you get my point? That was a confession. That we have, we have done that which we were not supposed to do and left undone the one we were supposed to do. But he said, because we were not wicked, it was ignorance. Paul said, that's why God showed you mercy. So mercy covers ignorant areas before the time in which knowledge is compulsory comes. I just want Christians to understand how you gain what? Forgiveness. The Prince says something like this. The Christian work is progressive. You can't be living today with the light of yesterday. When he said they understood what he meant. Every day in your life, God shines new light. There's something the Lord told me. If, you, <laughs> if I said the Lord told me before I realized that, the way I heard it is not the way most people say, no. Just to hear it over days. And it has to do with being responsible in certain decisions making. Until recent times, I used to think, I won't give you details, in a particular area, that when that time comes, the Lord will move me to do this thing, you know, that kind of thing. And over the last few weeks, a few months, you have made it clear, no. If you are not doing that, it's because you are indisciplined and you don't know how to manage your life. Don't blame me. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I, I, I just realized that bank, this was a fault. Let me give an example. See the way I, you know those topics I sent you? Don't tell them what I'm talking about. Those two topics I sent in the last two days. The Lord said, it's late. If you had asked me for this three months ago, I would have given you. But you are busy here and there. Last moment, that's when you are collecting topic. And you now be making it look like the, the wind blew it where it listed. And that knew it where it, whether it comes and whether it goes. Such is one that is, you know, I've seen people who are very indisciplined. They say they are blown by the spirit. God is looking and say, which spirit is blowing you? I hope it's not me you are calling spirit. Because this one that is blowing you is evil. It's an evil wind. There are many people that are waiting for the little to tell them when to do what they are supposed to do. Listen, I'm talking to you. Listen, I tolerated that rubbish while you were young. Now you are old enough to know when to get up and do things. And do what is right. And if you will get up, I will empower you. But don't wait for me to be the one to wake you up again. Banky, it's time to get up. Oh. You know there's work to do. I've already given you the instruction. Go work today. Go work today. Make sure that instruction is ringing in your heart. When you wake up in the morning, first thing, Lord, what am I doing today? Do you know one thing God hates is laziness. Don't sleep too much. It's an appropriate amount of sleep. Just because I say you shouldn't wake up at night to be chasing demons. Doesn't mean every night you'll be sleeping like you, something's wrong. As if you have sleeping sickness. There's what called sleeping sickness. Trapanosomiasis. Sissy fly don't bite you spiritually. Everybody has gone, to, gone out to go and walk. You are sleeping. They come back, you are still sleeping. You know what God said? Let me give you the word of the Lord. He says, so your poverty will come like an armed man. Why? A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the arm to rest. Do you know, a lot of, just by the way, you know, digression. 
Some of my friends were construction guys those days. He said, I didn't used to hire people from around here. He said, before they walk for 11 o'clock, they want to go and rest. So he used to hire <laughs> people from far. And those ones you negotiate with them, this is the amount of money. They check their work. They will do it from morning till evening, finish it for you. So these are our guys. He was describing them. I won't tell you <laughs> the people. He said that by the time they, they, they demand, they, they need to rest. They demand payment. That they need to go. He said by the time they finish, no wahala. And they, you know what they used to gather? Is this place we call Obama? Did I pronounce that one well? I thought you said I'm a man. I've told you that. Have <laughs> you ever gone there to hire people? You, you have not. You go at 2 o'clock. They say, in a day job. Israel, two of us. You know what? You know their main problem? Storytelling. They have been talking stories from 9 in the morning. Their mates have been normal people that like to work. By the time it's 12 o'clock, they are tired. If you call, they say, oh, God, just get me out of here. Let me go and let this be that I work today. They are content with sitting down there morning till night. Then go home and tell their family this country is bad. There's no work. Where their work has been exported. Of course, not physically exported, but they've imported people from far. A lot of them from other African countries taking the jobs. It's scripture. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arm to rest. So will your poverty come like an armed man? Many people are around. That's what is holding them. Their poverty came like an armed man because they like to sleep too much. Another page of life opened. So God says, be diligent. Let me tell you something. Even if somebody is paying you, please find work to do. Go somewhere and go and volunteer. Say, ah, you volunteer for it. Say, ah, I don't, there's nothing I'm doing right now. What do you want? Just pay my transport. Can I get small thing to eat? Ah, that's all. He said, yes. I can promise you guys three months. Let me work. Again, you no, know, we digress a lot. Those who are, who are employed, they, they tell you that leave no gaps in your CV. It is not a glorious thing to say that uh, that was the time that I didn't have work for three years. They won't, they won't employ you. They say, hey, you didn't have work for three years. And they're looking at you like this. It's better for you to go and volunteer, come to Kingdom of Ministries. Say, please, Pastor Kimothy, what can I do? So the pastor said, we're not employing anybody. There's no, he said, it doesn't matter. Just give me an appointment letter as blue chair corrector. What does that mean? It doesn't matter. She is work. <laughs> then do it very well. Let him be giving you uh, appraiser. Say, the blue chairs are in order. Not just to come and collect people. You are really working. Then one day you come and tell him, say, oh, God, please, I want to go for an interview. And they ask, what have you been doing? Say, I've been assisting Pastor Kemote in service delivery. <laughs> What's that? We're delivering the word of God. Church service. <laughs> it's not service. It's not service, we call it. It's service delivery now. They won't see too much on it. They're just, okay, you've been working. Next. What did you do before that time? During NYC, I taught in a primary school. I was okay. Before that time come, I did internships and so place. Okay, this guy looks like he knows how to work. But people will come and say, oh God, my father suffered to train me. And the person say, you think I plan to suffer to take care of you? No. That's the job for your family. <laughs> The Lord is good. Now, so God opens each page of our lives. He shines light upon that area. And once he shines light, he says, repent. He says, repent. He says, if you say you have no sin, he says, the area that's still covered, once light shines on it, you will realize you have sin. I said to him, if, you are, if your sin is still lying, lost in, stealing, you, are, you need to be reborn again, again. Because those are elementary, fundamental things people repent of. Serious believers are chastised, they are rebuked, they are disciplined for things like you are not supposed to have said that. 
They are rebuked for things like your friend bought a car. You did not rejoice from the bottom of your heart. You didn't say anything, no. You say, ah, Philip, how now? Ah, that's your car. And in your heart, you say, God, now, wow, everybody's leaving me behind. That's all you said, though. That's all you said. And that's it. I will say this, some people won't like it. God cast you on the bed of affliction. So how you are going on the road, your leg just jammed stone. Your nail entered inside. Infection join. He said, Lord, what's going on? He said, that's the leg they used to press throttle in car. <laughs> you will lie down there. They will massage the leg. Doctor will start panicking that, ah, we have given you the common antibiotics. Infection is not stopping. So this people will just come and say, let her confess. He said, you know, yesterday, in the last week, when Philip told you he bought a new car, what did you say to him? You said that God, do everybody leaving me behind. That's all you said. It's called whining. It's called grumbling. It's called complaining. It's like rejoiced. It, Apostle, what do we normally do when somebody says, get new car? No, that's not what we do. Say, tell them what we do. After praying, there's something we do. Offering. Yes, we always say offering time. If you know you are not holding money, if somebody drive car, come here. Don't, don't join us. You must give offering. When we finish praying, we bring out a cup or something. Everybody must drive. I don't mean 559. The kind of offering we collect is 10,000, 5,000, 3,000. We'll put the money down. We'll gather and give the person, see, and go and buy fuel. So when your friend buys something, so that God won't cast you on the bed of affliction. Just say, oh boy, I thank God for your life, oh boy. I'm giving you this money because I'm not one sick. See, that is what God disciplines serious Christians about. You that whether you stole or you committed adultery, fornication, that's what it's teaching you about. God said, just give me that boy, put, put him in that river, soak him there for five minutes. When he was almost drowning, bring him out. You need to be rebaptized. Serious believers is little things like your friend, no, your friend is getting married, you are there dancing. Your dance not reach your leg. Just it's just your waist up. You are saying, when will my time come? Because they forget your own. Dance. It's an instruction in scripture. Rejoice with those who do what? Rejoice. And I've warned those of you who fast on wedding days. You are, you are, you are an evil spirit. <laughs> Even if you were fasting before, once your friend says, it's my wedding, say, Lord, we'll be back. Go there. Don't worry, I've not broken the fast. Chop chicken. Drink wine. If they bring fresh pine wine from the village, it's called communion. Take small. Don't just go there and be doing like, uh, uh, say, take something. <laughs> Nothing like a gamma lizard. Look, listen. You will eat. In Jesus' name, you will eat. When Jesus went to a wedding, the wine finished. He produced wine. Say, so can we come here? You tell me this nonsense. Oh, yeah. When you're at a wedding, you must be merry. That's what I'm trying to say. People who go for a wedding they, with dry lips, they sit down there. They give them drink. Any problem? They think you're not happy. In fact, God is not happy with you. I'm, you, know, you know I'm a preacher. You know I'm a man of God. I'm telling you what the Lord is saying to you. Eat that food. Eat it. Drink. And if God's giving you resources, bring a gift. If you can't bring it that day, send it to them later. Why? It's commanded. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Did God not, not say to you, 
Have you ever seen the, the friends of a bridegroom fasting? Is that not what Jesus said? You want to be an enemy of a bridegroom, you come to the wedding and you're fasting. This Christianity is a serious thing. It affects how you go to wedding. And I do okay, carry us go inside, inside, inside Udi. Not normal Udi, you know, the, the deeper part. Those kind of places where they used to have shrine. We brought the Spirit of God there. And he came and said, Pastor, we like a drink. Say, yeah, hey, I can't come to the village and be drinking Coke. It doesn't make sense. Come to a village, apostle. It's not good. It's not the will of God. Some people say, Pastor, I'm a man of God, I told you. <laughs> See, I go to a wedding like Jesus Christ. I don't have this. T- I know they do deeper life wedding. I do Jesus type wedding. The Lord is good. They even took picture with uh, all the leaves. Remember the pictures with the leaf to show that we came to a village to wed. I mean, if we're in city, you cannot be doing all this, uh, this grape juice. Have you ever seen grape in Africa? That's Western Africa. Go to South Africa and we're harassing us. The Lord is good. What's the point I'm making? Do you know if you don't rejoice with somebody else's progress, God rebukes you for it as a believer? There are people listening to me today. That's why you are sick. That your ulcer, it is simply because anytime somebody makes progress, your stomach twists. That twist is also for six months. I know what I'm saying. No, I will tell you when I'm joking. Everything I've said in the last, the last two hours, there's, been, there's no joke. Seriousness. I've been very, very serious. I may be laughing, but I know what I'm saying. Some people are going to be healed today just for this thing I've said. When somebody's progress is giving you a prayer point, you will repent of it today. If somebody makes progress, you rejoice. One day, one of my friends, those are the early days of serious poverty. I went to look for him in church. He was working for a pharmaceutical company those days. And those guys, they can spoil people. They give you fine motor. When the rest of us, eh, cars were so expensive, we could not pray about it. You know, something can be so costly, you can't pray about it. You want to go and rent a house, they say 1.5 million. You look at your salary, you look 1.5 million. You say, I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. He said, Pastor, come to me pray. You know, you have faith. Some people don't even have that faith. They will look and say, ha, he's able to do exceedingly far above what you can ask or think. So you see, God's ability is usually even beyond that which you can ask. That's where I'm going. That's why I, <laughs> that I pray for Moto. I couldn't even, well, what? I knew God would do it one day, but I just left it in the thinking level. Then I went to look for my friend in church. As he drove up like this in a sharp racer day, I came for the first service in their church. He wasn't there. So I went and waited for him. He came to the parking lot. He drove in like this. I can never forget. He was wearing a brown suit. As he drove up like this, he was looking so handsome. Oh. So I was at the gate. When he came, he was Banky. He said, let me go and park. Do you know, as he drove in to go and park, I said, God. I said, remember very well. He was looking so handsome. You felt like marrying him. You can't remember saying that, bro, and this is... Do you get my point? <laughs> but what I remember was that I was so... I don't know why. I, my stomach so rejoiced that day. Oh, that's where I'm going. Ah! Do you know what I did? I went to make a brown suit. I wore that suit. My wife met me in it. She can't even remember now. I wanted to look like my guy. I went to market. 
bought my, I had one tailor that could make good suits. I bought my tailor. I said, oh boy, you must make this suit. It will be like this in my mind. I have to look like that brother. Even if we can't drive his car, we can wear his suit. I still remember that. I remember that suit till tomorrow. Brown. That guy, and the tailor, oh, God gave that guy skill. He carved it for me. I wore it. And the Lord blessed me. Anytime you obey God, he blesses you. So when I, I'm telling people that, look, if you go for a wedding, you are blessed. That's what I've told you. When you are going for a wedding, suspend that fast. Too. Just tell your choice. Say, my friend is wedding today. We'll continue the fast in the evening. When you go there, small chops. It's called what? Small chops. Chop it. Big rice, eat it. Drumstick, finish it. Any wine they bring, drink. It's important. And when you are dancing, you must dance from the bottom to the top. From the bottom to the top. If you dance from waist up, you will not be blessed. I hope you are getting my point. And so God do amo. The Lord is good. Oh, I've spent so ah, I don't I'm not going home today. I have a message to preach. If I'm feeling anointed. So let's continue. So God opened another page. That's how, that's what he does for the lives of believers. I've tried to emphasize something to us. You have been forgiven. Amen. Say amen, oh. Amen. If you have committed any sin as a believer and you have confessed and forsaken, you have also been forgiven. Amen. And there's a sign, a sign that you have received forgiveness is that you have forsaken. Because without the power of forgiveness, you will not have the power to forsake. Because sin binds. Sin binds. Sin binds. If you truly go to the place of prayer, from the bottom of your heart, you are forgiven. And the manifestation is freedom. That they don't get in bondage to that sin. One major reason why sin keeps on holding believers is simply because they are not fully persuaded that the iniquity is iniquitous enough. Do you hear that, that long English? For example, I steal, I cheat in my office. Even though I say, Lord, I'm sorry, something missed. He says, you know it's Nigeria. Without this, I can't survive. As long as that little thing is there, you never receive forgiveness. Every excuse for sin that you offer to the Lord removes the ability to receive forgiveness. Just acknowledge your iniquity. Now, I'm seeing all of this to come to the main point. We're talking about divine health, right? So when you have received all of this, even if it's ordinary ulcer pain, I say to you in the name of Jesus, it's oppression. He has no right to be there. He has no right. He has no right. See, my, what I'm going to emphasize to us today is this. Let's understand God's mind. God's mind is perfect health for the believer. Jesus died for perfect health. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Stop giving excuse for Satan. You know it's my genes. The gene has been paid for. That it might be corrected. You know I'm growing old. Old age is not a disease. I hope you're getting my point. What did I say? There's only one thing I found in scripture that old age is allowed to do for you. What is that? Make it wise. Small digression again. I found as I'm growing older, I need more patience. I told my wife a few days ago, I said, I think I know part of my problem. I don't realize how much I know that others don't know. 
Yes. I used to think everything I know is supposed to be common knowledge. Until recently I realized that it's not so. It's not so. Because when I enter the house, you're wondering, who did this? Didn't you notice this? You know? One day, I had to, I had to tell my kids. I said, is there something wrong with me or something wrong with you people? Something has been wrong with somebody. I don't know who somebody's wrong with. That day, what happened was that, I think it was, was the day when my, my wife's mom's village went for the funerals. So they was inside the, the big car, they call it the truck, all right? So my daughter, the engine was running, and she walked past, you know, a big vehicle and walked behind it, you know, normally. You know, as an old person, I know if a car is parked, I don't walk that close. It's just reflex. I give it some feet. Just, I'm going to the back of the car. Just, I'm coming from the car. I go around it. In case the driver put on for reverse, I go get space, take, run for my life. You know that kind of thing. The way my daughter walked past, the way I shot her, come on, move. She's like, what's wrong with this old man? That was the day it dumped. So I called her. I said, wait, something's wrong with somebody. Is that me or you? Because I don't seem to get it. So casual, but they are now realizing, oh, you know what's going on? I have so much experience about life. She's a teenager. She doesn't even have that experience. So now I need more what? Patience. patience. So I started praying for patience. So if you are praying for me, say, Lord, give me patience. Old age has made him too wise. He has become too impatient with the simple. And one thing that was said about Jesus was that he will not be impatient with the ignorant. Are you, I hope you're getting my point. I said it's an aside, right? I've taught you something now. Maybe to help your life. When you get to the office, you, you started this business, been running for the last 15 years. The guy we employed last week. <laughs> don't assume he will know, he won't know it all. Don't, don't bother firing him. He needs one year of trading. I hope I have somebody listening to this, just by the way. Now, what am I saying? Old age is allowed to do only one thing for you, which is what? It's not allowed to make you weak. In Jesus' name, at the age of 80, we climb flights of stairs and you don't even know it's there. And if an 80-year-old man is listening to me, that is your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. And you that's only 40 years now, it will happen to you when you are 80 in Jesus' name. Amen. Even if you are only 14, 18 years now, it will happen to you when you are 80 in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to me. You are not supposed to get weaker with age. It's not the will of God. Don't get ready for it. It's not the will of God. And in case you are weak now, I command strength to come back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. See what we, what we are doing? We are trying to think the way God does. I, I hope everybody has read the book, Walk by Faith. Please, if you want a paper copy, we have it available now. You buy it. How much is it? But the online copy is free. Download to your phone. Whichever, whatever you need to do, read it. If you download it, you can share it to your friends. Okay? If you say, ah, they can't, don't worry. If you can't buy the paper copy, Download it free. It gets to your device. But please read it. What is faith? Faith simply means you are thinking on God's frequency. Let me add this one to it and we'll close. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says what? He that sows to the flesh will do what? He that sows to the flesh will report. He that sows the spirit will report. Life. Eternal life. Eternal life is about length of days. It's about the qualities. Of the substance of the spirit that God puts in us because we are believers. Eternal life is the expression of that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. 
What am I saying? If you want to receive eternal life manifested in your flesh, therefore, what do you do? You sow to the Spirit. What did I say? You sow to the Spirit. Why am I saying that? This issue of when I say read that book, walk by faith, not a joke. Many times people are sown to the flesh. And from the flesh they are reaping corruption. There are two types of sowing to the flesh. There is a sowing bad things to the flesh. And there is a sowing of good things but still to the flesh. The Bible did not say if you sow bad things to the flesh, you reap corruption. What did it say? If you sow to the flesh. Say, Pastor, what are you saying? I will, say, I will tell you. What is the source of our health? Most of us take medical books, diet books, exercise books, and see that as a source of health. We take good care of our bodies as far as we are concerned. Eat this, don't eat this, don't buy other people on the road. You know those people that I'm telling you about? Is that good or bad? Good. But when that's all your focus, you are soon to the flesh. As good as it is, is exercise not good? No, is exercise not good? Is it very good? No, just a little good. Is that what Paul said? Physical exercise has small profit. So it's not a bad thing. Is diet bad? No. Paying attention to your diet, is it bad? No, I just said that the man was supposed to lose weight. Did I not say so? Now I'm going somewhere now. Many of us, all our effort concerning health is on the natural level. And I'm giving you the word of God. You will reap corruption. People will go and exercise, they will miss church. They have what they call, um, what they call them? These meters that count your steps. Pedometer, Abby? They have, a, they have a name like that. Pedometers or something like that. Uh-huh. Yes, I have a name. But anyway, they, they count how many steps. Say 10,000 steps in a day. If I want to, <laughs> one brother, that was the first time I actually knew how serious it was in a place like the United States. We're supposed to meet in a mall. So he had, you know, the mall is very, very big, very big. So when my friend told him we were waiting, was another part. So he had to walk a great distance to find us. So that, and as a senior person to us. So my friend was not apologizing. He said, oh, bro, we're very sorry, we're very sorry. I, the guy said, no, 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 that is good. That has helped him achieve his number of steps for the day. Because that thing on his wrist, listen to this, is automatically connected to a database that his insurance company monitors. And that his, as health insurance, the health insurance premium goes up if it doesn't count. So he has to wait and prove to them that he's exercising. So that day, by us making him trek across a large mall. That was my first experience. I'm like, are you serious? He said, no, so you Now, there's bad soul into the flesh. Let me tell you the bad soul into the flesh. All right? Even some spiritual things are also soul into the flesh. Anger, animosity, you know, unforgiveness, hatred, they are all soul into the flesh. Lack of gratitude, envy, all those things, they are soul into the flesh. Again, smoking, it's only the flesh. Heavy drinking, smoking is sown to the flesh. Not eating enough, bad sown to the flesh. Eating too much. If you're always fasting 50 days, every three months you fast for 40 days, you are sowing bad to the flesh. Your flesh will soon crumble while you are watching. 
I hope you're getting my point. I'm telling you the truth. You are a vegetarian, you are sowing bad to the flesh. You don't know that? Pastor, did God not? Eh? Because I have given you for food. If you have given you something for food, I bet eat the lamb. Are you getting my point? Eat the goat, eat the cow. He gave you for food. Ah, hey. You know, this Bible talks about everything. He said, eat honey for it is good. A land that is flowing with what? It can't be a street vegetarian. You have to drink small milk. <laughs> so there's some bad sowing to the flesh. But I'm talking about even the good one. Do you know it is still sowing to the flesh? And if you only sow to the flesh, from the flesh, what do you reach? reap? What do you reap? What do you reap? There are different kinds of corruption. One of the major forms of corruption is disappointment. What do I mean? After you have done everything, you still fall sick. The person said he had a friend that gets all his exercise from visiting those who exercised in hospital. You think of what I said? Yes, that is he. He doesn't go to exercise. Though. But he gets a lot of exercise by climbing steps in hospital to visit those who have been exercising. That is the exercise he still first sick. Joseph Prince said once he went into dieting and exercise. That he first sick so much he had to go and tell God I'm not doing it again. And went back to his former way of life. And he said, he made, he said, he made a joke about it. He said, you know, he was not fat before. That the little fat he had in his butt, <laughs> that to even see that he had nothing to sit on again. That's just a phrase. What am I going to say? He that sows to the spirit does what? From the spirit reaps what? Life. Now, what am I saying? If you want health, you have to be sown to the spirit regularly. How do you sow to the spirit? It's a discussion for next time. I'm watching my time. But one of the ways you sow to the spirit is people do 10,000 steps. How many steps they do in one day? I want to ask, how many scriptures have they eaten in the same day? You can do your steps after you have done your scripture. Or use your step for scripture. I know people who exercise like that. When they want to, when they want to go exercising, they must have somebody preaching in their ears. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. That's, how they, <laughs> that's our own way of exercising. The more important thing is the echo in your ears. The Lord is my shepherd. Many people are sown to the flesh. They go for a checkup. They've never done spiritual checkup. I have a, I have a checkup coming up now, personally. What is the checkup? No, 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 wait. I will answer. I'm not asking you. I will tell you. A time came recently, I just said, no. I need to settle down and compile some scriptures. Like I said, that old age is not a disease. I don't take it for granted like that. I collect the scripture to remind myself. I read that scripture until I become aware of it. Like I quote it front and back. That's spiritual checkup. I hope you're getting my point. Listen. If you want perfect health, it's available in Christ Jesus. But you have to constantly do what? Sow to the spirit. Let me add this stone to it and we'll close. You don't sow when you are sick. You sow on what? Regular basis. It's a daily seed when it comes to reaping constant health. Sowing to the spirit is what? Answer me. Daily seed. Daily seed. I just give an example. You wake up in the morning. Number one way you sow to the spirit is thanksgiving. You wake up in the morning, you give thanks. A lot of troubles are around, but you give thanks. You give thanks. A grumbling heart attracts... in. You know, attracts ailments. And I said it earlier. 
If your heart is not constantly rejoicing, you are begging to fall sick. The Bible says it dries up the bones. All these osteoporosis, they, have, they, they say women have, I think most of it is because they have osteo-anger. I don't get my point. Depression, anger, disappointment, they're angry with their husbands, their children, grumbling about life, the bones start shrinking. They now say it is because of uh, menopause. It's not true. I believe if you continue to give the Lord thanks and you move around, God will strengthen your bones. Let me tell you something about being a believer. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is working in us and is giving life to our mortal bodies. The same spirit, rise to your feet and begin to claim that. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. I want you to claim it. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have a spiritual life we are walking by. We have a spiritual life we are walking by. Our health is not determined by the environment or even by the genes. It's determined by that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Oh, Father God. Oh, Lord Jesus. That spirit is giving life to your mortal body. Listen, health is not a game of chance. It's a blessing from above. I'm saying to somebody today, receive it in the name of Jesus. You have given too many excuses for why you are not perfectly whole. I wanted to reject every excuse. And say, Jesus paid. That's all. Jesus paid. We focus on that. No, that happened on the cross. Um, uh, yes, on the cross, of course. On the pole, attentively. With a steady and absorbing gaze. We're expectant. And I want somebody to receive that which he's expecting for. Which he's expecting for. Which is perfect health. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Just begin to claim it. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. Is giving life to my mortal body. Is giving life to my mortal body. Is giving life. Is giving life to my mortal body. Is giving life. Say life is working in me. Life is working in me. Say, life is working in me. Begin to claim, life is working. That life, that healing, that resurrection life is working in me. I want somebody to claim for a part of your body that they said has died. Could it be a part of the brain? They say it's a stroke. A part of the you know, pancreas. They say it's diabetes. Or the kidneys are failing. Say to that area, the same spirit that raised Jesus. Remember you have been forgiven. Even if you are a sinner. You know you sinned, but you have asked the Lord for forgiveness. You have given your life to Christ. The blood of Jesus has made an atonement for your sins. Therefore, every affliction is oppression. Claim that scripture. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Right now, I receive healing from oppression. 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 Say it, I receive healing from oppression. I receive healing from oppression.